last couple of chapters here of First Samuel. First, uh, oh, last couple of chapters here in First Samuel. Brother Marty told me you guys finished uh, chapter twenty-nine last week. Yeah, he was racing through it. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, that was that was pretty quick. Yep. So we'll pick up we'll pick up here in First Samuel chapter thirty. In verse 1, but let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning and for your word. We commit it, its reading to you this morning. Ask for help to understand it and apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, set the stage for, for uh, verse 1. You know, we've got David uh, out in enemy territory in... Uh, Chapters 27, 28, 29. He's uh, trying to save his own skin. He's he he's uh, trying to evade Saul. Saul's you know obviously still after him. Um, makes a poor decision. Motivated by fear when he leaves the land of Israel and goes into the land of the Philistines. Allies himself um, with Akish, who's the king. He's the king of Gath, and you know he's he's all too quick to accept his allegiance. But David's really not, uh, you know, allied with him. He's just trying to just trying to survive. But uh, again, acting not out of faith, out of fear. And then in chapter 29, um, he's rejected by the Philistines. Um, the Philistines, the lords, the kings, the rulers in, in uh, of the Philistines uh, decide that it's probably not a good idea to go to war with David, who is favored in Israel and, you know, he's going to have to pick sides. Once you get in the middle of battle, the last thing you want to do is go into battle with someone who hasn't chosen their side or there's a chance they may switch sides. And so they reject David. And so David's told to leave. And that's when we get to chapter 30 was is as David's men in the last verse of chapter 29. David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So he's leaving, I believe, a town called Aphek. And he's going back down to his the city that was given to him, Ziklag. And that's not a small trip. I think that's like somewhere between 50 and 75 miles, depending mm-hmm. on the map you're looking at. Um, not a Not a... Not a quick trip. Um, no doubt when they marched back to Ziklag, they marched quickly. And even with marching quickly, it says here in verse 1 that uh, it took three days yeah. to get to Ziklag. Wow. But I was just thinking about this in regards to uh, what Tim Hadley said, that sometimes God rescues us in different ways. And I think throughout David's life, we've seen him being rescued by God in different ways. Um, you go back to when uh, Nabal, 
he's rescued from Nabal through Abigail. This is just, I'm just going with the recent history because we could go further back and see David rescued in other ways. But just, you know, a couple chapters back in verse, in uh, chapter 25, he's rescued that way, rescued from himself, really, from doing something that would, uh, he'd have to live with for, for the rest of his life. Um, and going and just taking out Nabal, Abigail stops that from happening. Um, and then really he's being rescued out of this, uh, bad alliance that he formed with the Philistines. And he's rescued out of that in 29 when the Philistines rejected him. And there was, there wasn't any bloodshed that had, to, that had to happen for that, that rescuing to happen. And then, I think in verse, in chapter 30, sorry, he's rescued again in a certain way, because as we, as we're gonna read, when he's, when he's away from God, his, and away from his family, in Ziklag, Ziklag's raided by the Amalekites, but they don't slay anybody. They keep everybody alive, which I think is probably uncommon in the raids of these of these people. I mean, very rarely do you re- do you hear a story where any of the ites, the Melakites included, raid a town and don't take everybody out. They burn it with fire, but they keep everybody alive. They keep all of the uh, the loot. They keep all of the animals. They keep everybody alive. So I think God, because God's dealing with David in this situation, but he's dealing with him in such a way that at the end of it, or at the beginning, recovery is in mind. Because this is the beginning of David's recovery, and David's recovery is uh, in such a way that even though he's being disciplined and being... Um, molded by God through the circumstances that he's been brought into, God still has his family intact somewhat, and the resources that they've that they've that they had in Ziklag, they were able to recover all of it. Mm-hmm. But we'll read about that. Uh, did I miss anything in the in the in the lead up that maybe is a important point to make? Well, just as regarding the Amalekites themselves, that uh, this was in relation to Saul's disobedience, mm-hmm. that the Amalekites were even there to um, mm-hmm. to uh, go against Ziklag. Right. Saul's disobedience in the way that he didn't drive them out. Right. Well, he was supposed to destroy them and. Uh, right. Utterly destroy all mm-hmm. that they have, spare them not, both slave, both man, woman, infant, suckling, axe, mm-hmm. ox, sheep, and camel. It's pretty well like. And that's where he spared Agag, right? Yes. Yeah. So the fact that the, the way that the Amalekites uh, fought, you know, a unprotected town mm-hmm. was. Remember how they dealt with Israel when they left Egypt? They went on after those that were the hindermost. Yeah, in the back, right, right. Those that were the weak, weakest. Right, pick them off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting point too, because you think about when 
the Israelites had to leave their towns three times a year, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 to go to the feasts, mm-hmm. that God uh, God instructed them that they'd be protected, yes, because they were in the the will of God. Yes, God God promised them protection. I'm going to read that. In Exodus 34, it says in verse 23, Three times in the year all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, for I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land. Here it is. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. That's uh, Exodus 34, 23 and 24. So God's saying there that there's a promise of protection that when they leave, their cities to appear before the Lord three times a year that those cities will be protected. Their land would be protected. No one's going to take their land. But here David's not leaving Ziklag to go to appear before the Lord. He's, he's, uh, he's out of the will of God. He's been out of, uh, he's been away from the Lord, I, th- I believe, for a year and four months. Yeah. Let me read where that is. I have it in my margin. First Samuel twenty-seven seven. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. So he uh, was there to protect himself and his family, mm-hmm. and his men and their families, mm-hmm. and that's what he loses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, one of the things I thought is just how how uh, much responsibility a leader has, because it's not just David that suffers the consequences of this, the, the decision to go to the uh, Philistines and to the land of the Philistines, but it's everyone that followed him. They also had families. They also had animals and and provisions. And so when they return home, they don't have any of that either because they took all of it and then burnt, burnt the city down. I mean, so much that, you know, there's mutiny. They're starting to blame David for it. And David really has to shoulder, you know, the the uh, the blame for Anything that that good happens for when they follow him, and and for anything that happens as adverse, like he's got a shoulder to blame from it. That's the position that a leader takes. That's the responsibility that a leader takes. I think there's a verse in the New Testament that talks about that with regards to spiritual leadership. Um, maybe someone can help me with it. That uh, what's it's something uh, along the lines of. Be careful of accepting a leadership position because you, your accountability gets doubled. And that was maybe that was about as NIV as I've ever quoted a verse. Anybody know? Uh, teachers. Yes. Yeah. James three one. James. You want to read it? My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Where's that? James 3.1. You know, I was thinking, though, of, of this thought of, you know, that what they were, tr- what David was trying to accomplish 
in the protection of his families and, and the families that uh, I remember in Job, just looking up in Job 3, uh, 25, Job said, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Mm. So that, you know, there's... Uh, you can, there's things that everyone is afraid of that usually has to do and obviously has to do with the things that we treasure the most. It has to do with fear, it has to do with loss. Mm -hmm. So you're afraid of losing that which you treasure the most. Mm -hmm. And uh, out of the will of God, that can be the very thing that you do lose, mm -hmm. as David does here, though protected, as you say, in the providence of God. But in order for God to, you know, deal with us, right? And, and uh, um, so, so there's no protect. You you can't, you know, you you can try to circle your wagons all that you want, mm -hmm. uh, but there's only one real fortress, and that's the Lord. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, and that would have th that would have brought David. Or probably anybody uh, to their knees more so if it had happened to just themselves. Like if David was taken by a, an Amalekite raid, David could hand you know could ha would have handled it in a different way. But when the whole family is taken, I think that I mean it really affects everyone around David. I mean they're ready to stone him. Uh, you know what what that would accomplish i don't know you know take out the guy that could lead you to victory is is probably a bad move but you know when when you're emotional like that what what do you expect you, you you think you think you don't think they're alive you think they you think they've been killed i mean there's no bodies but the 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 thought is you're never going to get them back and, and i think that's uh, important what you're saying that uh, emotional because that three day journey. Okay, yeah. so they're tired. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're hungry. Hungry. Mm -hmm. Yep. Their expectation and hope is, you know, right around the corner. Yep. You know, Home cooked meal. their wives yep. and their kids mm -hmm. and their families and, you know, and talking about, you know, what they're going to have to eat, you yep. know, whatever they're, you know, amongst them. Right. And then to see that smoke and to see those ashes. Yeah. In, in that moment. Right. So you're tired, you know, I mean, really tired. Right. And you, the, the, the least thing you expect, you've left a battle. Yeah. The last thing you expect is that your, you know, home's lost and your family. Yeah. Think about that. Let's say it's 70 miles, three days. You're doing 20 miles plus a day with, I mean, who knows what the armor was like and weapons and everything. Mm -hmm. That's that's a, that's tough. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's very tough. So yeah, just to to make a comment on the state of exhaust, exhaustion that they'd be in, and it's really, I mean, uh, what David does in response, um, when he when which was my memory verse, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God, mm -hmm. um. He was at the end of his rope. And I think 
that was the intention. And sometimes that is God's intention that we get to the end of our rope. That we fall on our knees like he does. And it doesn't say he falls on his knees, but he falls on his knees and looks to God, you know, like you said, as a, as for, for his fortress. And, you know, nobody else in the camp does that. It doesn't say they do. But, uh, it would have been this, this, this is that, that's the beginning of David's recovery right there. That verse that when, when he's brought to the end of his rope, he's been away for a year and four months that he's finally away from the Lord, away from the Lord for, for, for one year and four months that he's finally, uh, seeking him out and, uh, looking to him. What about the um, the fact that he had lost his two wives, mm-hmm. as it mentions here, mm-hmm. and there's you know David wasn't looked upon as we together have lost our wives, but you know just as anyone in leadership with Moses and Aaron you know, through the wilderness, they were the ones that took the brunt of the uh, angst mm. toward God. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't get your hands on him, so you go to the leadership, yep. and and no one was thinking of David's sorrow. Yeah, no, right. You know, now you know David deserved yes. it, really. I mean, after what he's done and, and, and bringing us into this place and this loss. Mm. You know, because he, I mean, these are the cavemen, right? right? I mean, these guys have been with him for some time, yeah. and he's he's trained them, and he's yeah. sang songs to them in the cave and wrote songs, and you know, I mean, th- these are friends. Mm-hmm. These are not just men, right? These are friends, yes. And many of them quite devoted, like we see when they, uh, you know, talk about David's mighty men, and they risk their lives to get a drink of water. Drink of water. I mean, th- this was really a, a I mean, this was a hard situation. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And then from that, it only takes one voice, you know, to plant the seed of, of, of guiltiness, you know, of... Yeah. of yeah, responsibility. Right, is David's. Right, David did this. Right, you know, all it takes is one one guy say, "This is David's fault." Yeah, someone Boom. stands up. Yeah, and then right. all of a sudden, the next person uh, spreads like wildfire. Uh, verse five. I'm just gonna keep reading. Verse five. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. I don't think they knew that, but again. When you return, usually you you're gonna see bodies. Right. I don't know how long they'd been gone from Ziklag to Aphek, at least six days. I don't know if it if it says how long they were gone, but I mean if it's three days from Aphek to Ziklag, it's three days from Ziklag to Aphek. So you expect to see that, but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. 
because of the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Like Brother Lane said, no one was really feeling for, for David's loss in this. Everybody lost everything they had. So they were concerned for their family. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. So I guess Abiathar has been with David throughout this whole time. Right? Abiathar has been with David the whole time. Yet we don't really hear that David sought the counsel of the priest until right now. When he searches for the ephod. Now, he, you know, Saul, same thing. When he had lost, exhausted, well, not same thing, but when Saul had exhausted all the other options that he had at his at his hand, then he goes to the priest and asks for the ephod, or then he goes and asks for, well, goes to the witch of Endor and and, and summons uh, uh, Samuel to to get some direction, to get some guidance. Only then does he look for it. God doesn't answer him. God's, he's, he's departed from God. But David, uh, he answers David. Because David's a man after his own heart. And David, though he's away from the Lord for this time, he's still the Lord's. And I think there's examples that we probably know in our own life of people who have strayed away. And then because of affliction, Come back. In fact, David, I think, I think it's, uh, Psalm 119. David writes about this, that it was good that he was afflicted. Yes. Because it brought him back to the Lord. And I think. It's by David, but it's the psalmist. Okay. Okay. So Psalm 119, we don't, we don't know that's a a Davidic psalm. But but I think that's in Psalm 3 where he says that as well. No. Yeah. Well, yes, I think it's, yes, it's Psalm 3. It's all about David being chased from Jerusalem by Absalom. Oh, there it is. In Psalm 119, I, you know, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Right. Mm-hmm. It, and, and in 4.1, which David did write, uh-huh. Hear me when I call on God of my righteousness, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Yeah. Well, in Psalm oh. 3, uh, you know, he's running from Absalom. Yeah. And he knows that he's, done, you know, he hasn't been a good father. He's made some big mistakes. He's sown in the wind. And now it's coming, you know, it's coming home to rest, you know, this, the, the whirlwind. So uh, he's talking about the first two verses, how many, you know, are those against him. But then, verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Hmm. So even though he knows he deserves this, he turns to God. Hmm. And just like in Ziklag, you know, for 16 months, he hasn't inquired of God. For 16 months, he's been away from God. Now he turns to him and finds even though he deserves this, you know, this, uh, you know, he's the guy in charge. It's his, you know, he's, you know, if the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, well, it's not my fault, not my fault. He didn't do that. <laughs> he's, so, I mean, he's a real leader. Mm-hmm. 
a real leader. He didn't say it's not my fault. He knows it's his fault. And he turns to the Lord. But then what, he turns to the Lord. But what he could have done, because David was so charismatic, mm-hmm. I don't doubt that he could have, you know, encouraged the man, listen. I guarantee you we can get their families back. You see that you see no one was killed. They have them. We can get them back. You know, David could have gone that line mm-hmm. and, and and you know used his his natural abilities, communications, you know, these men are his men, and and got them probably as a team to go after, but instead of depending upon, you know, his own yes. his yes. own will, which is he has got him into this mess. Right. Then he yeah. turns to the Lord. Yes. And and I think that's an important point is you have to come to the place where you understand that, hey, uh, my ideas don't work out that well. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need another idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. need, but I need the Lord's will. Yeah. He could have he could have played the politician, like you're saying, and uh-huh. stood up and, yes. and and spun it in such a way that, you know, yes. brought everybody what well, kind of cooled the temperature in the room, even mm-hmm. there was no room. Because what they're going to do, what God tells them to do, is what David already you know, had in mind in verse 8. Yes. Uh, you know, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake, uh, overtake them? Right. You know, I mean, he already had it in mind, but he didn't take it to his men. That's the point. Right. He took it to the Lord. Right, right. And and that's the that's the transition that we're talking about. Yes, is when you're no longer you know just got you got exactly. the idea you know right. maybe a great idea and the right idea, but mm-hmm. does God have his you know stamp of of, of direction and approval? On right. It? Yes. So like what Chris was saying, I think he had a long time to think about this. Three days journey up, being rejected by the Philistines. Now what am I going to do? Three days journey back down. A lot of time to think about this before he gets to the disaster. Yeah. Just a lot of time to think about where he is. Yeah. For the last 16 months. Right. That's a good point. I was just thinking about what you said about, you know, looking for God's stamp. You know, so often I think we, we make decisions like you were saying, he already, this was already his thought. He was looking for God's approval. I think a lot of times we make our decisions um and then and then look for God's approval mm. you know after it yes. to say well you know it was you know I prayed about it you know God said it was it was the right thing to do I'm just trying to balance that um in my own mind cuz you hear about you know someone says oh yeah that's confirmation you know I should be doing this mm-hmm. that, that's what it was mm-hmm. You know, any small little, you know, uh, yes. agreement by anybody else is, is confirmation of God's approval. You know, for David, he went to the priest, you know, the mouthpiece of God. For us, you know, how do we know that that, that we don't have an ephod? We don't have a, 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 an Abiathar. What do we have? How do we know that the decisions that we're making are in line with God's will for us? Like, we can't go and consult. The Urim and the Thummim, and, and and give a give a yes or no answer, and say, do I pursue or do I do we rebuild? Do we start fresh or whatever the other options that David had? 
I mean, that's a, that's 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 a valid question, right? For all of us, like, how do we know we got a big decision to make in our life? Mm-hmm. How do we know what God would approve of? Cast lots. Yeah, we cast lots, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the apostles did when they needed to replace Judas. Yeah, uh, but you know, this is a—I mean, this is a powerful point that you're making because in in, in the Word is that. Uh, uh, David had in mind what to do. He still has to convince his men. Yeah. Now he could have done it before the ephod, right. but he wouldn't have had assurance, right. you know, that it was God's will. Right. So now he can go to his men and say, "Listen, God has spoken." Now, how did God speak? You know, I yeah, doubt right. if it was a booming voice that they all heard it. But right. there's six hundred men. Right. You know, he had to convince them now. And of course, God's on his side in that communication. Yeah. That we can pursue and will and will and God has told me that we'll recover all. Yeah, now he who's needs, with me. And he's asking, he has to energize them too because that they're they're physically exhausted. They're now emotionally drained. Yes. I mean it's very hard to get a guy up on the floor now. Right. He's hungry. Yeah. He's walked for seventy miles for three days. He hasn't eaten and now he has his family's gone. You ever get your second wind as an athlete? Yeah, yeah. This is maybe the third. This might be the third. This is breaking through the wall. They call it the wall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've broken through the wall a couple times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sister Debbie is doing it all the time. He's swimming out there. Yeah, the I believe it. Yeah. The thing is, when you're swimming, you have to break through the wall. Because if you don't break through the wall, you, you drown. <laughs> There's point. no choice. <laughs> Swimming is the only sport where there's a there's a fine line between sport and then trying not to die, right? Especially when you're out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, that's why I never swam. But anyway, that's just uh, that's a good question, right? I mean, does anyone have the answer to that? How do we know that the, the, the decision we make is the right one? Yeah, yeah. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people yes. fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I really believe God's given us other believers or spouses or whatever, you know, to check things. Let's ask him to pray and to, to get the advice, you know, to, to think from other people. May, anyway, that's what I believe. I believe God has given us prayer to ask counsel. But there are some, you know, there's burdens that you can share, burdens that you bear. Right. You know, there's some right. things that, uh, um, you, I mean, there, there's things in your life that are family issues and all that, you know, as Sister Debbie said, maybe you have one, maybe two that you can go to to mm-hmm. talk about, but maybe it's, you know, there's no one. I mean, it's, it's, you have to decide before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, th- there's countless testimonies of those that have, through reading the scripture, mm-hmm. uh, God has given an yeah. application, right. yeah. you know, to the situation they're in. Right. Well, that's what I would say. I mean, we don't have a, a priest, but we have the finished word of God that if our decision, we can line our decision up with Scripture as one way of knowing whether or not a decision is in God's will or not, is does it align with the principles laid out in Scripture? Because we can make, we, I mean, we can justify things and twist things to make us feel good about what we did, but does it align with the with the with with Scripture, with the principles laid out, you know, in the Word of God? 
I think that's one way we can know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I know. I hate to do it, but the hardest is simply we could just know what it was right. the next thing that came to me. That's uh-huh. why I think at least, I mean, like Matt said, I'm sure there's private things, but having someone else that's with them is very grateful, I think, so mm-hmm. much. Because I, I see something as being very twisted yeah. what it's really right. Well, another, and emotionally involved right. or whatever, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, another thing is you just leave it to, you leave it to God uh, in prayer, but that doesn't, you know, when you say you're going to pray about something, you leave it to God in prayer, and then whatever decision is made, then that is what God has allowed or has willed to happen. And not just like we mentioned making a decision and then praying about it afterwards and then, you know, looking for his stamp. Like, yeah, I made a decision and then I prayed and everything was good. So, I mean. In the, the print, you, you first apply the principles of God. Is there anything that violates the principles of God? You know, the lettuce tournament's coming up. Uh, there next we go. week, yeah. and I called Brother Tom many years ago on a Saturday morning on the way to the golf course. I said, Brother Tom, if I win today, I'll be playing tomorrow Yeah, on Lord's Day. Yeah. What do you think I ought to do? And miss, he said, miss the last putt. He said, <laughs> he said, win. He said, win. Yeah. yeah. Of course, that's Tom. <laughs> but, but that didn't set well yeah. in my spirit, and, yeah. and it didn't, because it was a principle I felt that uh, uh, was would be violated, uh-huh. you know, in, in, in pursuing what he said. So, I mean, it's one thing, you know, to, to seek counsel, but we all understand yeah. that uh, uh, counsel is just that. Yeah, It's a good man that we trust, mm-hmm. you know, trying to help. Right. But ultimately, you know, we'll stand before the Lord as to the decision that we make. Well, Scripture says run the race like you're going to win it, right? So, I mean, that's scriptural. Uh-huh. It's biblical. Uh-huh. But yeah, of course, Brother Tom said win. You, you called yeah, the sports guy. The wrong, I should have called, called for the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, not, you're not into sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, does anybody have, we're out of time, does anybody have anything else on, on, on that in particular or anything in the first, I don't know, 10 verses? I think it's just, I just think it's really great. The, the, uh, you know, what we see in these verses that he had in mind what to do. He had the ability to make it happen mm-hmm. to convince his men to pursue. But he knew within himself that this is a moment <laughs> that he could no longer go on his own, mm-hmm. you know, on his own direction. He, yeah. no, he, the, the cowboy in him. Oh, had to get off yeah. the horse. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's uh, pretty good. <laughs> he he really sensed that. Yeah, I'm sure he sensed that. Yes, you know, all this time with the Philistines, I'm sure he finally got the message. Yeah, finally got the message. The last time he called for Ephah, which you know, the city of Kala, yeah. he protected them. He you know, really protected them, uh-huh. and then. He asked the Lord if they would protect him from Saul. No, they'll they'll give you over. So that's the last time he used the ephod, you know, running from Saul, fleeing from Saul. And here he is, you know, 16 months into 
joining the Philistines, and now he realizes he needs to uh, call on the Lord. Mm. And, and, you know, this really uh, goes back, it could go back, you know, eight, ten years as far as Saul's pursuit of him oh, and yeah. him, him living, you know, in fear. Mm-hmm. And because the Psalms, you know, he wrote, they're all about, you know, he gets comfort from God, but he's living in yes. fear because, right. you know, he's being a, a, he's a hunted man. Hunted, yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is the end of that. This is coming to the end of that period. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Maybe as Brother Marty said, you know, all this is just, you know, it's coming to a head. It's wearing on him. Yeah. Yes. Because when you live under pressure for a certain period of time, you may not realize it, but that pressure will have an impact upon your oh, life. Yeah. yeah. You know. Sure. Yeah. And really, you know, he might have been in his mind because he had the complete confidence of Akish. Complete confidence. Who knows what he was going to do if he joined the battle? And if he was in the rear, you know, like uh, it attended to, it looked like he was going to be in the rear of the battle. Was he going to, like, uh, you know, in the battle decide he's going to, you know, uh, start taking out the Philistines yeah, and help the Philistines, help the Israelites, you know, wipe out the Philistines and be the hero again? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is the way he thought it was going to work out in his mind. I don't think that he was really going to go against his own, you know, the Israelites. You just see David, and he's never lifted a finger against Saul or the, or his Israelite brethren, never. And uh, uh, as we see later on, you know, he's going to be giving them a bunch of gifts, you know, his friends. I just think that this was his, I just got a feeling in the back of his mind that this was going to be the climax as well, just not this way. And, and, and think of, uh, you know, how... That situation that you just mentioned, where he was going to fight with the Philistines, mm-hmm. align with them. Mm-hmm. Now that you know had to cause some questions and doubts mm-hmm. within the the minds of his men as to whether this was a right course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all the way back on those three days, even though they didn't fight, you know, probably a lot of them are wrestling with this whole question yes. of what if we had fought? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and, and right. that would put a doubt as to David's leadership yeah. right there. Right. For sure. And that this is probably the hand of God, providentially sparing them. And then this big disaster. Yeah. Right. Time to call on the Lord. <laughs> I mean, the obvious, I mean, to us, the obvious answer, that obvious course of action for David, probably, and in David's mind, like Bowland said, he had it in his mind, was to go fight and take it back. Mm-hmm. All right? Stand up and fight. It's your family. You know, armor up, get your, get your weapons, let's go. But that's not always uh, God's answer. All right? God's answer isn't always pursue and overtake him. I mean, what was his message to Jeremiah? Don't fight. All right? So, I mean, what would right. seem to be the obvious answer for David in this in this instance is not the obvious answer for the Israelites in Jeremiah's time. It was not to fight and to be taken into captivity. You know, we were talking about that one voice that, you know, could have accused David. Uh, in verse 22, uh, then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial, yes. of those that went. 
yes. with David, you know, right. to the battle. So they there were in that group, just like with the Lord's disciples, there was Judas. And mm-hmm. Judas said, yes. you know, right. what, what, you know, when 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 he's the Lord's being worshipped, you yeah. know, what is this waste? Yeah. And then yes. the other disciples, you know, came alongside and said, Yeah, well, well this is a waste to yeah. be given to the poor. Right. right. So you had these wicked men like Judas and uh no doubt this, you know, the, they were the center of, of stirring the men exactly. against David to start with. Yes, yeah. right. Opportunists. Yeah. Right. Well, what, can, what we can get out of this instead of uh, what are we all going to do together? You know, uh, what can we, how yeah. can we gain from this situation? Opportunists. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah, they're always the first to blame someone. As if that's going to help the situation. Good.